Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world sharing their own truths and personal journeys. Today, we have none other than Waldo Waldman, known as the wingman, retired lieutenant colonel. Waldo Waldman is a New York Times bestselling author with his book, Never Fly Solo. He helps organizations build collaborative cultures of trust, courage, and commitment in order to adapt, change, break performance barriers, and overcome adversity. A decorated fighter pilot is an inductee into the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame and is the founder of the Wingman Foundation, whose mission is to build funds and awareness for veterans and the families in need. He's been featured on CNN, Fox News, Harvard Business Review, to name but a few. He's an expert on change management and resilience, having overcome a fear of heights and claustrophobia to achieve his dream of becoming a fighter pilot, which is something throughout our chat I really want to touch on. So first and foremost, welcome to the show, Waldo. Good to see you, good to see you Glenn. Happy, happy hump day, but I think it's uh, Thursday for you now, right? It is. One, one day ahead, first thing in the morning, mate. <laughs> so before we dig in, our readers would love to get to know a little bit more about you. So can, can you tell us about your childhood uh, backstory? Where did your passion for performance aviation and relationships come from? So, so yes, yeah, so I grew up in Long Island, New York, uh, thus the accent, and uh, I have an identical twin brother. So, you know, no better wingman than your twin. Yeah. Uh, somebody who... Uh, who you can always call, call on for help. So uh, I was the youngest. He was my twin. I have an older sister and older brother. My dad uh, and, and uh, was, was a, was a uh, mechanic at Kennedy Airport, one of the busiest airports in the world outside of New York City. So I remember when we were like nine or 10 years old, my dad took me to the airport, uh, that popped me into the cockpit of a 747 jumbo jet. I think I've got a, well, I don't have the, the image here. But uh, if you can imagine the image of a, of, a, of a cockpit of a 747, and I started to play with the switches, and I said, Dad, what's this place for? He said, it's the cockpit. It's where the pilot flies the plane. So in a heartbeat, I knew I didn't want to fix the planes like my dad. I wanted to fly them, except I had a problem. I was massively afraid of heights. And, <laughs> uh, and so, so that brought me on my journey of, of overcoming my fears and, and facing them head on to live my dreams. And uh, I just developed that passion for jets, you know, the, the smell of jet fuel, the machinery, the man-machine man interface was just amazing for me. So it just took me on a journey and, uh, you know, very blue-collar family. And, uh, but my dad and mom were always about education and differentiation and value and values, right? And so we put us on this path and I, I got into the military and, uh, and so here I am today. So that's, that's a very, very abbreviated version. Well, well, first and foremost, thank you for your service. And what, one of the things about the IPC is really uncovering and getting to know the person behind that profession. What is that kind of journey? You obviously, from a young age, you had values, you had principles and you knew you wanted to get in and there and fly. But it's not as easy as just wanting to do that. I mean, the interesting part of your story is you had the fear of heights and claustrophobia. Can you take our audience 
how you dealt with the fear and how you overcame that? Because presumably it's high pressure. There's a lot of tests that you have to go through to even get through that. Well, any anybody watching this podcast or listening understands that on the opposite side of fear is where growth is, right? You're, you're challenged to step out of your comfort zone and be better than you were yesterday. And that's part of the mindset of a peak performer an entrepreneur in particular who wakes up every day with a target and has to drive through certain headwinds and dodge certain missiles to take out the targets, right? To achieve success. And so part of my journey through overcoming my fear heights, and I almost died in a scuba diving accident, which is where I developed claustrophobia and imagine, you know, being strapped into this tiny little cockpit, you know, at 30,000 feet on a seven hour night mission in Iraq, right? you can freak out pretty quickly here. And anybody with claustrophobia, just by mentioning being strapped into a plane for seven hours at night at 30,000 feet would probably make you cringe, right? Mm -hmm. And so so I never had that claustrophobia until I almost died in that scuba diving incident. It brought out this latent fear. And post-traumatic stress disorder will do that. Losing a a loved one will do that. Getting a cancer sentence will lose that. Losing your business or or failure and, and humiliation will, will create this, this impetus in you to, to force you to say, I was doing good, now I hit a roadblock. Now I'm more afraid, now I'm more anxious and fearful. It may not be claustrophobia or free, afraid of heights, maybe it's rejection, maybe it's a fear of failure, uh, of being average, whatever it is. So you have to understand that that success is on the opposite side of that your humiliation, your fears, your anxieties, and all those things that bubble up, uh, that's, the, that's the sign to you to break through that to overcome success. And you can't do it without intention. You have to know what's on the other side of that fear hmm. to push through it. And uh, you, you're a parent, I believe, Glenn. You have kids, yeah. right? Yeah, two kids. Young ones, right? Yes. Uh, I think you just had a newborn, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. No, she's four years old, mate. Still feels like it, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so what's, what's her name? Layton. Four-year-old? Huh? Layton. Layton. Okay. And boy or girl, I'm sorry? Little girl. Yeah. Okay. So if Layton, like if you're on that 30-foot diving board looking down, I don't know if you're afraid of heights or not. Maybe not. But, but if it was 100 feet or 80 feet, like anybody jumping off that would be kind of afraid. And you're probably like, I'm not jumping off it for no reason. But if Layton were in the water screaming, Daddy, help me. You wouldn't care about your fears. You would be jumping, right? Yeah. Because you love your daughter and love elevates your, your fear. You know, love conquers fear. And so it's really what it is that you're fighting for and having a true, clear vision for that meaning to the mission, the why before you fly, that will propel you to take that leap. And many folks aren't intentional about what that is. They're flying by the seat of their pants. They don't have any trajectory in their life to drive forward. So once you find that out, that that mission, the meaning behind it and why you're doing what you're doing, then you'll say, okay, now I'm intentional. Now I can take that leap, step out of my comfort zone, strap it to the jet, even though I'm claustrophobic, uh, and take those risks that will push you to the edge, potentially make you fail, but mm-hmm. it's risky to you. You're willing to risk it because you love what you're going for and you love love the mission, you know? Wow, that's so powerful, a new way of thinking about it, and especially for our audience to actually 
change that narrative in the head of the way that they're thinking to project themselves forward. One thing I do want to touch on is you're an executive coach. You're in front of all these corporate leaders. You're highly successful. One of the things that I want to touch upon is to get to that position and that place, especially as a man going through something such as claustrophobic, being in the military, it's, it's very dominated or what people think is dominated by masculinity Right. When you was going through that time, did you open up and share that with somebody? Did it feel make you feel less masculine? And this is the thing about IPC. It's people can still continue to be successful no matter what they've gone through if they manage to get through the other side. You know, it's a it's a great question. I've never heard it before, and it's 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 fantastic, and it's it's so totally in brand with you, Glenn. And so, so one of the keys to building trust, you know, being a wingman, a trusted partner, which is the context of my book, Never Fly Solo, and what I talk about, is to build those partnerships and collaborate with folks that are in your formation. You see, you know, I have check six on the screen hmm. because you, you've got a blind spot. Your six o'clock is behind you. You don't know if you're leaking fuel or on fire, have some issues going on. However, your wingman or wingmam, he or she can look over their shoulder and see if you're on fire. They can see if a jet's coming up to shoot you down. They can build your perspective in life. And many of us are so channelized. We're flying like this. Our radar sweeping here. But the rest of the world, the 360-degree view, is where we need to understand. That's how we can pivot and propel. But if I don't know if I'm getting shot at, if I don't know if I'm on fire, then I could get shot down or I, could, I, can, I may need to bow out. So building relationships with others who see what you can't see and also have the courage to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. That is the key to building courage and trust in life through the insights and perspectives of others. So how does that apply with me? Not, you know, me sharing it. So I didn't really share this with many pilots because I didn't want to have to be like, Hey, by the way, Glenn, we're going up on the seven hour mission. I'm shitting in my pants, bro. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if I could do this because we all operate through our fear. Yeah. All of us in those intense moments have that fear. So I kept it to myself. I shared it with my twin brother. I shared it with some of my loved ones uh, and very few pilots. So it was my dirty little secret. Mm. And I wish I could have shared it more with my, my squadron mates, and it never impacted my ability to execute the job, by the way. I was still able to perform despite the fear, which is the true you know, uh, attribute, I think, of courage. If you're performing despite it, hey, that's key. But if my performance was, was, was poor, or if I was a safety hazard to others, or I'm hurting other people because I'm not getting out of the jet, that is not good. So you got to be careful flying fearful missions or messing up where you can impact other people. Do you know what I mean? Like some people are flying depressed, so to speak, or, or haphazard. Let's say if you're depressed and miserable and you're driving a car with your kids in it or you're on the highway and you've been drinking too much to cope with your anxiety and fear, now you're putting other people's lives on the line and that is living out of integrity and that is hurting other people. You can't do that. No. And so... Um, and I, I know it's a little side note, but for me, the older I got, Glenn, mm -hmm. the more I became more confident in my fears and my ability to break through them, the more I realized that it was okay to have those issues and anxieties and doubts and fears. The more I was able to take off my mask and seek out others who can help me and say, I need help. 
I'm freaking out here. Give me some insights. Give me some courage. Help diffuse my fear. Help absorb it for me so I'm not carrying this burden on my own. And this is how you can build more confidence and get insights from others who can help you see what you can't see and lift you up through your anxious times. Um, and that's why I think it's so important to take off our mask and ask for help. And I think that's what you did, Glenn, in, in overcoming your challenges, your childhood, your insecurities by revealing them and then working on them mm. and not just expecting others to help you saying, okay, what is the work that I need to do? The meditation, the book I need to read, the health and fitness, the mindset shifts I need to make to help me overcome that fear. And I hope that makes sense because it takes a lot of courage to be able to reveal your weakness and accept the consequences that some bit and some people may judge you. And you know what? That's okay because we're all dealing with something in our lives. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And, and I thank you for even going deeper on that. I'm loving this conversation because I think removal of that mask, what the IPC has, has pertained to do is bring t- people together. Some of the most prolific people across industries, across the world to show, Hey, you have got somebody like Waldo Waldman who's, happy to uncover and share that behind the mask and everyone like that. And it's really helping people just to go, this is not going to stop me. And I think along my journey, even it's been one of the hardest things, like you say, and it takes courage to do, but once you do break those barriers and you see the other side, it's, it's amazing. But going back to your military background, you've obviously seen a lot of things as well. So not only were you dealing with the fear of heights, claustrophobia, getting through that, And I just want to touch pretty basically on your military experience. You're going to have seen a lot of things. So how did you deal with what you saw out in combat as well and process that? Yeah, yeah, because there were some buddies that didn't make it home. There were some friends that that died in in, in training incidents and all that. Look, it's a very, very intense job. It requires you to not just have a positive attitude and be courageous. You better be prepared. Hmm. In business and life, uh, in dealing with change and fear, You've got to get into the books. You've got to put some training in. So so I have, I have a saying, for example, um, make the music of joy louder than the noise of fear. Make the music of joy louder than the noise of fear. And, and joy may be a byproduct of your ability to hit the gym in the morning and lose two pounds in the, in the last two weeks because you put in the sweat and sacrifice. There's got to be some pain that leads to the peace, mm. some practice that leads to the process and results, some sacrifice that leads to the, to, the, to the candy, the juice, the money, the success on the other side. So the military taught me about building resilience and competence through hard work, like learning how to fly this jet, building the courage and the skills to be in combat, to be able to operate in a complex environment and execute, you just can't philosophize your way to execution, Mm. right? So just like if we're looking at what we're doing here on this call, using podcasts, leveraging technology, preparing for our interview, we need to be masters of of our preparation and the hard work that leads to 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 the hard results. So that's one of the things that I learned. But then also, once again, it goes back to the collaboration piece and being around other like-minded people with high standards. What I loved about training in the fighter pilot world is there was guys like you everywhere, Glenn. All of us were intense, hardcore, hardworking, uh, in the gym, in the cockpit. 
if you monitor us, our intensity, our, 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 our sacrifice, our ability to delay our gratification was immense because we knew we wanted to be in that jet and we had high standards. Mm-hmm. So if you look at your life, ask yourself, like my dad used to ask us and tell us, he's like, be careful who you spend time with on the weekends. Who is emulating the characteristics of courage, accountability, preparation, discipline, honor that will bleed into your life and help you to be a success? Hmm. Who are the people in your life who are admitting their mistakes, demonstrating character and, and respect and integrity um, that, that, that bleeds into you? And so your squadron mates, your wingmen, your partners, really key. And so I always... I'm very cognizant of the men and women I spend time with on the phone or who, who, for, who I'm interviewing with, you know, guys like Laban who introduced us, right? Yeah. And so that was what I loved about a high-performing squadron. So I would tell everyone listening, assess who you're hanging out with. Yeah. Who's emulating excellence and I have a saying, you know, make your friends your mentors and your mentors your friends, right? If I'm going to hang out with you, you're going to be my mentor, yeah. And you're also going to be my friend. If we could do both, man, that's a recipe for success in life. And that was great about a fighter squadron. That culture, it was just amazing. And it pushed everybody to be better. And also to find the wingman or wingmam who was in the dungeon walking in the squadron that day, having a tough day. And I'd say, hey, Glenn, hey, man, let's talk, bro. It looks like you got a missile launch for you yesterday. What's going on? And you can tell me some of the issues. So we always were encouraging and lifting each other up. And you could see I have a saying there. You know, leaders lift. That's what I learned in combat, coming back after a six-hour night mission when missiles were launched on me, being with my brothers and sisters and, and collaborating and connecting as human beings after we got out of uniform, you know. This conversation has been long overdue. Like, I'm, I'm just, just listening intently because it, it's a nice segue into the corporate sector and what you do these days as keynote speaker, executive coach. But one of the things I wanted to touch upon there, because you said it so lightly about the people that you associate and hang with. Now, what I wanted to perpetuate, because what we're seeing in the world is there are a lot of people who are wanting this short way to success. Like I'm going from A to Z, like what's the process? What's the story? And a lot of people often say it's about the people you associate with. Now, along the way, what I've noticed is I think a lot of people are also getting it wrong because they're talking about the wealth. If you want to be like this person, you have to hang around with wealth. Okay, I understand that. But you also have to, and I think this goes to attest to what you talk about, is you also have to hold the same principles, the same values, the same integrity, because you can hang around with someone who's a millionaire. You might get there, but what person are you going to become to get there? You don't know their ethics. So you've moved into this corporate world. How was that transition, obviously, from what you've gone You've claimed your authority. You know what you're doing in leadership and everything. But what was the response when you moved into that that corporate world in front and presenting? Yeah, it, it was kind of challenging, Glenn, you know, because for me and anybody who transitioned from the military to the civilian sector uh, would, would uh, attest to what I'm about to say. is like not everybody had that same passion, that intensity, the attention to detail, the the discipline, right, that, that lead to results, you know. Um, so part of my my uh, my challenge was minimizing my expectation and lowering the expectation i'm like i would hang out with these guys i'm like you know like they were kind of slacker to me now they were average in the business world but for me i'm like man i could never operate in that environment which is why i became an entrepreneur 
yeah. let me let me craft my own cockpit. Let me create my own formation of great men and women. Let me build a business with my high standards. Let me be responsible for them. And so, so it was hard to temper that. But in the same sense also is, you know, the civilian sector taught me to be a lot more open-minded and realistic with the way people think and the way of the world. Mm. Not everybody is a fighter pilot. Not everybody may have my sense of uh, uh, responsibility or commitment, excellence, or attention to detail. However, they bring a different texture, a different set of assets and tools and benefits to an organization. I'm not the best listener as to my spouse, right? I think it's pretty common these days for married men, right? <laughs> so, so hey, I, I like spending time uh, with, with my friends who, who emulate compassion and, and empathy and, and a better listening skill set with their spouse and children. Like, wow, my buddy Chris Hoskin, he got me into a men's program around 15 years ago. Uh, uh, I respect him watching him navigate the terrain of parenthood and fatherhood. That's a guy that I want to hang out with. Another friend of mine who's from uh, 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 Panama. His wife is Mexican. Their, their, their son is a, uh, plays soccer with my son. They, they have very thick accents, but they're, they're entrepreneurs. They're real estate agents. Love hanging out with these people. And I watch, uh, watch uh, Luis, you know, honor his wife and, and hug his kid. And they're so very affectionate. They may not have as much money as me, but man, that's the type of couple I want my wife and I to hang out with and my son to spend time with Alex and see how he's respectful to his parents. And he calls me Mr. Walben and he has a conversation and looks you in the eye. Those type of things from the civilian sector are some things that we didn't learn about in the hardcore, you know, macho world of flying jets. Mm. So you've got to be a little yin and yang. You got to a little be a little Clint Eastwood and a little uh, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, right? <laughs> and so, so those things are great. So there's always something to learn from somebody. But as you inferred before, Glenn, if they don't have the character, the integrity, the respect, the, those soft skills, the values, I don't care how quote unquote successful they are in their personal professional lives, there's got to be an alignment with that DNA. Mm. And so uh, that's why if your hair sticks up on the back of your neck when you're hanging out with somebody because you know they just aren't emulating that, that character that's important, time to find another wingman or wingman because yeah. uh, there are some wing nuts out there. <laughs> what have you noticed then from the transition into the corporate sector? Like you said, a civilian, you're in front of everybody. What, what would you say is their downfall? And not in a bad sense, but... We're going through a crisis. The last two years is pandemic. There's fear. There's uncertainty. Right, right. What you've worked through and you're emulating to transition and help other people, what have you noticed is their downfall in the corporate sector? Let me tell you what it is. It's, there's two things. One is thinking that they could do it all on their own, not being able to build the well before they need it, build the team of men and women before they need to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So they don't invest enough times with other people giving their wings away, building relationships, helping, sacrificing a little bit, saying no uh, to something that you want to do to say yes to help somebody. Because eventually you're going to call out Mayday. Eventually the wings are going to fall off. There's going to be a missile and you want to have as many folks on your team where you could say, hey, Mayday, Mayday, I need help. And you want to have a Rolodex of people 
who can help you. And the way you do that is by by helping others and showing up and volunteering and 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 uh, and helping. And I know you do that in your life, Glenn. So that's number one. Uh, build the team before you need them. Number two is complacency. I'm 54 years old. Uh, my business is solid. I run a seven-figure business. I've been doing this a long time, but I still wake up every day coachable and approachable. I'm still in the gym. I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm, I was chomping down on an apple. You can see I had a little hangriness going on. I've been on calls all day, right? <laughs> we all do that, right? Yeah. I'm like, well, man, well, that's part of the sacrifice of being a top gun. You want to be the best. You've got to keep working at it, refining, investing in great people like you, listening to the podcast, getting some new insights, learning a new piece of technology, being willing to be uncomfortable and saying, I need to get better. This is what I think is important in life to maintain that, that never-ending trajectory up to that never-ending horizon, right? Because we'll never reach it, okay? So... So always think about how you can revolve your flight plan and how you can get the coaching and mentorship that you need. Invest in the books and the seminars of private coaching, knowing that that conversation could be just what you need to, to improve, to sharpen your sword, uh, to be better than you were yesterday, because it's a never ending path, but we can't be fat and lazy once in a while. You can be, you know, I believe in chocolate and I believe in being lazy once in a while, but then uh, get it back in that cockpit, push up the throttle, man, because other people need you and others are dependent on you to uh, to lift them up and to help make a difference in the world. Yeah, there's, uh, Les Brown says so rightly, he said, the story that you're sat on, somebody is waiting to hear. So it's moving it forward in that. Now, I don't talk- just, and then don't just, don't just create the story, like the story about claustrophobia and all that. We have our stories, but now what's the next story? What's the next relevant thing you're doing today. I want my story to be, I got up this morning and I prayed and I meditated for 15 minutes and I did some quiet time. And then I, I hit the gym and I worked on myself and I, and I came up with some good ideas and I helped some people out and I'm doing these podcasts and I'm, I called up my buddy uh, who's got a book coming out, Sterling Hawkins. And I said, dude, you got to rewrite the copy on this thing, man. I love you tons, but <laughs> that, the, the writing needs to be tightened. It's a page and a half. You got to cut it to a page. And here's some suggestions. I didn't need to do that. Yeah. But I'm a good guy and I'm not bragging, but that's, I want to emulate wingman Glenn. I want to emulate success today. That's my story. Let's not only rely on our old stories that may be irrelevant now, mm. let's create some new ones and live our story, not just, philosophize about it. That's one thing that irritates me a lot about people. You're sharing stories from 20 years ago, the same stuff that may help or hurt you. Mm. Let's, let's create new ones and let's live the lessons of the story through our actions, not just through our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So right. One of the things that you are so passionate about, obviously, with your military background and why I want to touch upon this is your foundation. Now, a question I do have is you've gone out into the world in the civilian sector and you've become a success. There are a lot of people within the military, just like sports profession, that lose themselves, their identity when they come out of that. So. Tell me about that passion for why you created the foundation. And I know what you do, but let our audience know and how we can possibly help and draw awareness to it as well. So, so the big thing is, Glenn, 
is, um, you know, when I left the military, I, I hired a coach. Uh, he was a former fighter pilot, actually a lot older than me. He gave me some great advice. Uh, it's kind of sad now cause he's, he's got some dementia. He's probably in his eighties and, uh, just a great human being. And he helped me and he lifted me up and gave me some good context on that civilian sector. Like, okay, well, lower the expectations. <laughs> Everybody's intense like you. And I, and believe me, I'm, I'm pretty intense on this podcast. And, and I'm, 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 I'm normally kind of like a silly, funny, cheesy guy. I joke around all the time. I'm, I'm, but you know, sometimes I could be pretty intense. I know that, but there's a lot of folks who are transitioning from the military who have overcome some, some sacrifices, uh, who made sacrifices, overcome some fears, post-traumatic stress disorder, some physical disabilities. And there are some folks who, who have the character, the foundation, the honor, the work ethic, the integrity, the service mindset, those soft skills that just need a little bit of hard skill development, you know, how to make a cold call, how to run a business, how to, uh, you know, be an entrepreneur. So part of my passion is helping those folks that are transitioning into the business world to give them some tools and resources, assets and inspiration to say, you can do this. Here's what you need. And also to kick them in the butt and say, look, just because you're a veteran isn't the golden ticket to success. Mm -hmm. You still have to prepare in the civilian sector just as you did when you were going to war. Put your boots on. And, 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 and go through basic training and sacrifice and sweat uh, because there's just so much competition out there uh, in the civilian sector. You want your background, your military experience to be that competitive edge. You can't rely on it. You got to leverage those instincts and trainings to get better in the world today. So I love helping veterans, especially who entered to the, the world of entrepreneurship. I love coaching them, helping them get better. And that's where I often uh, invest my money uh, my, my proceeds from my foundation. Like if there's somebody that needs help, he or she's got a great uh, business plan or maybe experienced uh, a, 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 a downfall, a, a, a tragedy, and they need some support. Mm. Uh, so that's what I do. And so I want to help military folks in need uh, and lift them up in this, in this uh, precarious world. And just to finish that off, round that off, do you have to, when you come out of that, it's, it, it's like you are, some people, I suppose, losing the identity from what they once were or knew with accolades and everything that they've been through. Is it a sense of you really have to humble yourself as well to go back to basics, like basic training, moving into the civilian world and corporate? Is that an easy transition? No, it's not. It's it's not uh, because you, you can't rely on the old tools and techniques and processes from yesterday. Uh you know, even in, if you're, you're you're updating a resume for that matter, you have to you have to businessize it. You can't you can't just use your military lingo. You've got to translate it to business speak and corporate speak. And same thing with some of your your disciplines. You you know, learning how to use a CRM, a, a customer relationship management software. How to use Zoom. Mm. Uh, creating lighting. You can see, like in my room, I've got I've got like you know I've got my stuff here. I've got my book there. I've got my lighting. I'm using this little, these little tools here, my video stuff. Right. And so those are things that that's my cockpit. That's my, those are the tactics that I use. Mm. And so it excites me to do that, but it also means, Hey, I'm a little intimidated. I don't know what to do. I've got to put my jet in the hangar, 
my business in the hangar, myself in the hangar and say, all right, I need to tighten down the rivets. I need to upgrade the weapon system. I need to strap on some new weapons here because the other stuff is outdated, right? Um, so that's a hard thing to do because most of us want to be in the air flying, taking out targets. Military folks like to be in the heat of battle. That's where we were meant. Mm. Sometimes you got to put your jet in the hangar, refuel, retool, give yourself some need maintenance and, and, and train yourself on some new weapon systems to get back in the air. And, and, and the key is knowing when to do that and having the discipline to do that. And I, I find myself doing that a lot. I'm sure with you too, Glenn, because you could be out there doing podcasts and wheeling and dealing and making money, becoming a success. But you're like, I got to be thinking a year out. Mm. Where am I putting some time in my day to write the next book, to do something else to, to, that'll be relevant into the future uh, as well? And that's, that's, that takes some insight, some planning, and maybe a wingman to help you see what you can't see, which is, uh, yep. which is something that... Uh, which is why I love meeting great people like you with all the, uh, all the innovative uh, foundational stuff you're doing to help a lot of folks. But I think a lot comes a lot to what you said a little bit earlier. You have to be prepared to go through with humility as well. We don't know what we don't know and we need to ask for help. So the last two questions I've got for you, what I ask every single person that comes onto the podcast, everything that you've been through, Waldo, um, and it's a lot and you're, you're truly successful in what you do now, what you've seen through people what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Let me give you an example. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty competitive, right, as a fighter pilot. I play softball. I'm 54. You know, I got some cranky shoulders and my right knee is a little bad. I rolled my ankle last year, et cetera. Uh, and I'm kind of hobbling, hobbling around a little bit. My son's a big soccer player. And I'm a pretty good softball player. I, I, I play left field. I'm a pretty decent hitter. But I struck out twice in one day one game like it's it's freaking softball right <laughs> i'm like you know god i struck out twice and i was happy that i wasn't as pissed off as i was you know last year when i struck out i was pleased with myself that i didn't get i was angry enough that i, I struck out once but then the second time i'm like you know what i deserve to strike out the guy had an amazing knuckleball. He, he's like, Waldo, don't worry, by the way. I struck out 53 players this, this season. This guy's phenomenal pitcher. And he blew it by me, and he just, he struck me out. And sometimes we're just going to strike out. We're going to be outsmarted. Out, somebody's going to beat us on the business. And uh, somebody's going to outrun us, outthink us. And that's okay. And so part of failure and growth, and I try to tell this to my son, I told this to my son because I had, I went three for four the other day, kicked some butt, had an amazing catch. I told my son about it. I'm like, but guess what? Your dad struck out. Say whiff twice, three times fast. Whiff twice, whiff twice. Whiff. It was kind of funny. Your dad whiffed twice. And I said, but I went back there and I improved the next time, Ace. I'm like, failure isn't something that defines you. We are not perfect. But I think when we're able to make those mistakes and humble ourselves and realize that there are others around us who are whiffing during the day, even though they may be pretty good hitters, metaphorically speaking, it makes us more compassionate in the world and makes us also want to get better and, and honor others who are doing the striking out and say, you know what, I want to learn what he or she's doing. I need to be around that person. So maybe 
I can be less imperfect or shoot for more perfection in my life because that's called improvement. I don't think we should change the world. I just think we should improve it mm-hmm. because change implies what you're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. If I tell you to change, it's like, okay, all right. Well, change puts me on a defensive. Improve, that's something that we can all do because there's a lot of folks, as we well know, ISIS, some very bad people are looking to change the world for the better. Nobody will hurt the world if they want to improve it. Well, that's powerful. You've just poured into me there because we, with the IPC, it's about changing the narrative, the way that we talk about mental health, but actually improving the narrative. Yep, you learn something. something to from, think about, you know. Just, yeah, it's... Because it's, it's, uh, some things shouldn't change. I think some things should not change at all. Mm. Definitely some things should definitely change yeah. for the better, right? Uh, uh, you know, but it's just something to kind of to think about, you know, the context in that it conversation, is, yeah. right? Yeah, I think it is. So what's your... Um, what's your legacy, Waldo? What, what, what do you want to be remembered for and what do you want to leave you know, I, I sometimes think legacy is kind of like a selfish word because it's about like, you know, I got to build my legacy, but it really isn't because you want to leave, you know, plant some seeds now that you know is going to flourish and that other people are going to pick the fruit from. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my legacy is my son. And for example, by training him and teaching him and loving him and encouraging him, hopefully we're going to plant the seed of love and compassion and kindness and, and strength through his kids, through his friends and through his example that will spread out. And maybe one day he can lift other people up much more than me. And I think he will because he's such a great kid. He just won the fifth grade spelling bee competition yesterday, which was awesome. <laughs> he's kind of a nerdy guy, a big, a, loves soccer, but he's such a good, humble, honorable kid. He just, he just blows me away. So that's going to be my thing. And now some people don't have children, right? Some people aren't blessed to have kids, but you're leaving the legacy in some other way. And so my book, Never Fly Solo, the, the videos that people see and the, the impact that I'm making for that person who calls me up saying, Waldo, I'm suffering from claustrophobia. I, I spoke with a Belgium pilot, a pilot from Belgium who, uh, who saw something on CNN where they were talking about me overcoming my claustrophobia and I coached him. I had a couple conversations with him, changed his life. Another pilot who was a helicopter pilot, his first name was Jack. I won't say his full name, but he retired. He was having panic attacks uh, as a rescue helicopter pilot. And he contacted me and said, Waldo, I'm so depressed. He was suicidal. And he's like, I, I, I can't do this. I feel so ashamed that I'm no longer able to do what I love more than anything else, which is to fly helicopters. What do I do? And I said, hey, man, that's okay. It's okay to quit. You don't have to fly to make an impact. Maybe there's something else in your life that you can do to still make an impact and still evolve. And now he became an instructor and coach and teacher, did amazing things. Uh, I, he sends so much my dogs crying outside. I got a great day and I hear him whining. I thought it was my, <laughs> like, what the hell is that? I'll bring him here in a minute. Okay, Willie, hold on. So uh, I got a 50 month old great day. So you know what? You don't have to fly every mission. You don't have to be the top gun. Being imperfectly perfect means, hey, I'm giving others the ability to fail, meaning I'm also giving others the ability to risk and step into their greatness, which may mean I may get shot down. I may whiff, 
but I'm going to get back in the plane and slowly improve. That's the legacy that I hope to leave. And I try to be a courage monger as opposed to a fear monger. Lord knows there's enough fear mongers in the world. I want to be the courage monger when they say, Waller wasn't just a fighter pilot. He wasn't just, you know, motivational speaker. He gave me courage and he made me feel good about who I am today as somebody who's trying to be better than I was yesterday. Wow. Well, Waldo, I just want to say on behalf of me, the campaign, everyone that you took to the lifestyle and impact, thank you very much for your service. Thank you for your time. Never fly solo. Where can people find out more information about you, about your speaking, about your book? Yes, sir. So I'm going to give everybody a gift that's, that's listening to this. My book was a New York Times, a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Uh, I've sold a, a ton of copies, but I own the audio book, right? So if you go to yourwingman.com forward slash NFS, like never fly solo, yourwingman.com forward slash Nancy Foxtrot Sierra, or use that QR code, that'll give you a free download to my audio book. You'll also get five videos on building resilience in your life, three to five little minute little nuggets of content. Share it with your team, share it with your family and your kids. You'll also be able to connect with me on social media through that. I also have a, a, an Ace Academy video series that if you want to do more coaching with me, that's how you could do it. But uh, go to that site, use that QR code. Let, let me know that you got the book for, from the Glenn, uh, Glenn Martin uh, Imperfectly Perfect podcast. And hopefully that book will make a difference uh, as well. I think he will. I mean... I'm just blown away. I'm blown away. This conversation has been amazing. I mean, 40 minutes has just flown by. And I think what even I've got from this conversation, even changing some of those words throughout what we're doing, it's look at the impact there, improve. So yeah, as I say again, I will put all the links up, guys, to where you can find everything out about Waldo, where his book is, and the courses and the free downloadables, guys. But until next time, keep having the hard conversations because it's the hard conversations that save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.